0: Morning. first reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 16, beginning with verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them, so setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, um, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, "'If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, Come to my house, and stay. And she prevailed upon us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. The epistle reading for this morning is from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 9 through 14, and 21 through 27. Then came one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit of a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and at the gates twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the twelve gates, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut up by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 16th chapter. Jesus said, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace, in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. This is the Gospel of the Lord. grace, mercy, and peace be to you, from God our Father, and from our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm somewhat of a fan of the Crocodile Dundee movies. Paul Hogan uh, plays well Uh, Mick Dundee, a man raised in the Australian outback, uh, raised by aborigines and very familiar with the wild, very at home in the wild. And he ends up in New York City at the invitation of a woman who's doing a story on him. She's a reporter for a magazine. And if you've seen the movies, then you know what I mean when I say that it's kind of fun to listen to his Aussie accent and to hear the phrases that he uses, um, the phrases that he doesn't understand uh, as he tries to navigate big city culture. One of my favorite scenes is when a a thug tries to mug Dundee and this reporter woman and the thief whips out this little five inch switchblade and says, give me your wallet. And he looks at the knife and she says to him, you better give it to him. And he looks at her and says, why? She says, he's got a knife. He says, nah. And from his back he pulls out this great big 16 inch gator gutter kind of knife. He says, that's a knife. And the guy, of course, runs away. (laughs) But if you've ever heard the phrase, no worries, you can thank Crocodile Dundee for making it popular here in the United States. And that, I think, is one of my favorite phrases. And maybe you've heard me say that sometime. And it means simply what it says, no worries. There's nothing to worry about. If Jesus had been an Aussie, he might have used that phrase in our reading today with the disciples. John tells us that Jesus said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. No worries. He says to the disciples that they will all scatter, each to their own homes. And we, being able to look back, know what he meant. They were all going to abandon him in the Garden of Gethsemane there as the mob came with their torches and their clubs and their swords to arrest Jesus to put him on trial to bring a false accusation, false conviction and put him to death. And where were those Brave disciples. Where was quick to promise Peter, who said that he would never desert him, who said he would even die with him if that's what was necessary? Of course, Peter is in hiding. He ran away to his home. But to Peter and the rest, in our text today, Jesus says, no worries. He wants them to have peace. And (laughs) our world is not a peaceful place. There's been war and killing and strife in our world since Cain killed Abel. Our own history is full of struggle and a search for peace. And I think back to that famous picture of Neville Chamberlain stepping off the plane holding that flimsy piece of paper and uh, claiming that he had got peace in our time, peace between the United Kingdom and Germany. And later that year, there was World War. During the Vietnam War, President Kennedy said that he was after not peace in our time, hearkening back to Neville Chamberlain, but peace in all time, but peace between people, is elusive and fleeting. More recently as Russia amassed its troops on the border of Ukraine the Russian President Vladimir Putin said he didn't want war he wanted peace and he gave a speech to his Russian people to the nation and he declared that Russia was being forced to act by the increasing NATO threat on the border with Ukraine. And later that same day, his troops invaded a sovereign nation, Ukraine. And the peace that Putin said he was pursuing was shattered. And of course we want peace between nations. We, we decry the brutality of war. We want political peace in our nation. We want peace on our city streets. We want peace between ourselves, between the, the people that we have in our various circles. But peace between people or nations, peace that, that brings relief to our life, maybe temporary happiness to our life, that sort of peace is not the peace that Jesus is talking about. It is not the peace that we really need. Jesus wants us to have peace, but what sort of peace? And how are we going to get it? How is he going to give it to us? It made me think about how sometimes parents are afraid for their children. They're afraid that their children will be afraid. They're afraid that their children will get sick. That their children will get hurt. Or they're afraid of any number of other possible hardships that their children might encounter. And while all parents want good things for their children, want peace for their children, some parents go a little too far. One father was reported to be body-checking toddlers during an Easter egg hunt because the other toddlers were going after his child's eggs. Parents have been known to hide a cell phone in a stuffed animal with their child who's going away to a camp that doesn't allow phone calls home. One mother showed up at a job interview with her teenage daughter. Needless to say, the daughter was not hired. Sometimes parents can be so overprotective that they kind of act like helicopters over the children, trying to anticipate, trying to remove every obstacle in their way. And this is not how God works. God is not a helicopter parent. He doesn't remove every obstacle from your path. He doesn't smooth the way for you financially. He doesn't keep illness away or even give you a heads up if trouble is around the corner. Rather, Jesus says, in the world, you will have tribulation. And I looked at that Greek word that's translated as tribulation to see if there was any hidden meaning behind it. The word is, I don't know if I can say it, flipson. And it has the idea of being constricted. Two walls squeezing in on you and maybe grinding you a little bit. You feel confined. Uh, It has the idea of no way of escape. That sort of feeling may want you to uh, panic a little bit. It certainly doesn't feel peaceful. That made me think about last summer. Uh, We were up in Glenwood Springs and we, I think it was last summer, we toured a cave. And uh, in this cave you go through a narrow passageway that's been cut into the cave and and then you open up into a big room. And you've probably been in caves before, some of you have. A beautiful room, uh, lots of stalactites and stalagmites and crystalline figures and all that, very well lit. And they described how this cave was discovered. They said that the spelunker, uh, somebody who explores caves, when they were exploring this cave for the first time, They went through some very narrow cracks where you had to get on your belly. The crack wasn't even wide enough for your feet. You had to turn your feet sideways. You had to inch your way along. Sometimes it got so narrow that in order to go forward an inch or two, you had to expel all the air in your lungs so that your chest cavity would be just that much smaller. Then you could inch forward an inch or two and take a little breath. And they said it took them an hour of this to go through some of this crack. And of course, I'm thinking of it as being well lit. No, it's in the dark and you have a little candle in a tin can when they're first exploring this cave. And it made me think of this when it talked about this confining, this tribulation, squeezing in on you like that. I don't think I could do that. What if I was 45 minutes into that crack and I got stuck? That's what I would think. How would I ever get out? How would anybody ever find me? I can see some of you squirming just thinking about that. But doesn't the tribulation of this world, the flips of this world, feel like that sometimes? Like your breath is gone. Like there's no way out. Like the walls are closing in. Circumstances might change all of a sudden for us. Or it might be a slow grind over time. Like we're going through something squeezing us. No way out. No light at the end of the tunnel. Just darkness all around us. But how would the experience of those early Spelunkers have been different if there had been somebody who had done it with them, who had done it before, who could say, you know, you're almost there, another few feet. Maybe somebody who had these great big searchlights, you know, that lit up the place and you could really see. And they they were describing the beauty that you were going to see when you got to that room, something like that. I think maybe... Maybe somebody like that could even get me through that crack. Jesus says to his disciples and to us that we will go through tribulation in this world. It's going to squeeze us. It's going to hurt. And it may even kill us. There may be times when we think there's no way out of our situation. But he always wants us to have peace. And so what does he tell us? First of all, he tells us in our reading today that we have somewhere to turn. When the flips in, when the tribulation come to us, we can turn to our Heavenly Father. We can pour out our hearts to God not just so that we can feel better like we got it off of our chest but so that something can happen so that God can do something about it because God loves us and Jesus invites us to pray to the Father in His name. He says, whatever you ask the Father in my name He will give it to you. Luther says that Christ has redeemed you, a lost and condemned creature, purchased and won you from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with silver or gold, but with his holy precious blood, with his innocent sufferings and death, that you may be his own. Here we have lasting peace. Here we have real peace. Peace between us and God and that's peace for all time and so we can say no worries because Christ died Christ was buried and he rose again that you might be brought into a right relationship with the father not just with God but now with the father so that you could be his child you could be his own and as Luther says live under him in his kingdom. Jesus Christ sits at God's right hand. And he invites you to pray to the Father for help in every need, every circumstance. His promise is that he loves you. He knows your situation. He understands your struggles. And he will be working all things for your good. That's his promise. Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4 says... For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. And here I would say, cannot sympathize with our tribulations. But was in all points tempted as we are. And we certainly know that he went through tribulations too. Yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need we can approach the very throne of God with confidence because God is our Heavenly Father. Isaiah 41.13 says, For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, Fear not, I am the one who helps you. God our Father, the creator of the world, the one who sent his Son to redeem you, holds your right hand and says, Fear not. Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, flipsis is the same word, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long, God has demonstrated his love for you in the incarnation, in the suffering and death and resurrection of his only son, our Lord Jesus. And Jesus says to you today, no worries, my dear brother, my dear sister. Bring your fears, bring your tears, bring them to the Father in prayer, and he will hear you and he will help you. Share with him all your concerns and the ache within your heart. He promises help and comfort. Yes, Jesus says to you today also, in this world you will have tribulation, but no worries. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.